Welcome again to Alpine Church. I didn't introduce myself the first time, but my name is Joel Daly. I'm the lead pastor here at the West Haven campus, if we haven't met. And we're starting this series this morning called The Bright Side. And this is really about looking at the positives pulling out the positives in negative situations, you know, and I think in the world that we live in, in 2020, uh, it's going to be an adjective, right? It's going to be like, oh yeah, 2020, you know, like this, is, this has been kind of a rough year um, for a lot of us, for our nation, for our world. It's been weird, it's been difficult, and so, um, you know, look at the bright side, right? Look at the positives, not the negatives, and so like, so if, you know, say you get in a car crash, the bright side is that, okay, well, I'm still alive, right? I'm still here. I'm still okay. Um, if, you, if your house burns down, you know, the bright side is you didn't step on a Lego, right? You didn't, uh, you know, because that's on par with each other, burning your house down and stepping on a Lego, right? Um, maybe, maybe, you're a, maybe you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you just, season after season, experience loss. And, and the bright side is, is that there's always next year, right? There's always next year. For all my Cowboys fans out there. You know, but I want to ask you a question this morning to begin. What is causing you anxiety? What is causing you anxiety? I think, I think uh, maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's, it's what's going on in the world right now. Maybe it's our politics. Maybe it's uh, your health. Anything like that. You know, I think... Uh, a lot of us have experienced really strong feelings of anxiety, of worry, of fear. And a study they did uh, from one year, people experienced in of 2019, 8.2% of people experienced signs of an anxiety disorder, 8.2%. And if you fast forward one year in 2020, that number is 36%. Of, of adults have experienced signs of an anxiety disorder. And so this is something that's really uh, affecting all of us. And so we're going to look at the bright side this morning. And to do that, we're going to look at the bright side of God's kingdom. So if you have your Bibles or even your Bible apps on your phone, I encourage you, open it up to Matthew 5. Uh, we're going to be in, in Matthew 5 through Matthew chapter 7, and this is, uh, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So this is probably the best sermon that has ever been preached in the history of the world. It's Jesus up on the hill, and he's speaking to people, and he's talking about a big emphasis of his is God's kingdom. And so we're going to look at the bright side of God's kingdom this morning. And the first thing that we need to see from God's kingdom is that the key to happiness is to submit to the reality of God's kingdom. That's the key to happiness. You know, what, what makes you happy? What, what in this world makes you happy? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's uh, shopping for shoes. Maybe it's, uh, those are two of my things. What, what else makes us happy? Maybe watching sports. Maybe going on a vacation, right? These things make us happy. Um, but there's some things that make us happy that, that maybe shouldn't make us happy, and I'll just share one of mine. Running. Running makes me happy. Now, you might ask, why does running make you happy, right? Running is the worst. You, you're, you, the first step out there, you're like, why am I doing this right now, right? But then you get through your run, and you struggle, and you hurt, and all this stuff, and, and after I'm done, I feel great after it, and it's the weirdest thing. 
It's like during it, it's hard, it's painful, it's, it's uncomfortable, but after I'm done, I feel so much better. I'm so much more focused for the day. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that Jesus works in paradoxes like this. There's a lot of paradoxes in the kingdom of God. And we're going to look at a few here in Matthew 5, 3 through 10. This is just kind of a bullet point of what Jesus is saying. He says, God blesses those who are poor, who mourn, who are humble, who seek justice, who show mercy, who have pure hearts, who are peacemakers, and who are persecuted for doing right. And he continues on in verse 11 and 12, and he says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you, because you are my followers. And then he says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. You know, the word blessed here, so th- this is in English. The Bible was translated from Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. This was in Greek, and that word bless, it, it literally means to be happy. It, it means to be happy, and it even means even more than that. It means to be envied. So, so what Jesus is saying here is people will envy you when you go through these things. People will want to be in that position, and now, you know, I don't think that we look at people today who are being persecuted, who are going through extreme trials and say, oh, I'd love to be in their shoes. I would love to be over there, like being, being mocked and being, being beaten for my faith. But we don't say that, right? We envy the people who are sitting on the beach sipping a drink and, and uh, you know, having a good time in the sun and they're comfortable and they have all the money and the, all these possessions. Those are the types of people who we envy. But Jesus is saying, it, no, in God's kingdom, this is different. This is different in God's kingdom than it is for the world. It's paradoxical. The happy ones are actually the poor and the humble, and the mocked, and the persecuted. Not the rich, the comfortable, the powerful, the prideful. And now, I I don't want to, this morning, I don't want to minimize our trials, what we go through, because, because they're very difficult. They're very difficult. I don't have to tell you that. I know that personally, and I know that you know that personally. When we go through something hard, it is hard. It's not easy. But what we do need to see is that as followers of Jesus, if we put our trust in our faith, there is a bright side, and it's his kingdom. And, you know, we talked about his kingdom, his future kingdom, uh, in Revelation a couple weeks ago. We talked about this future kingdom that God is going to establish here on earth that is going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more, no more agony. God will be glorified. He'll be in charge. There will be perfect justice But that's not how it is today. That's not how it is today. So what does it matter that that all those things are happening in the reality of heaven today, but yet we're down here on earth? Well, Jesus said this. When he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, don't use all these words in Babylon and on and on. He says, but pray like this. Pray that God's kingdom would come soon and that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven, there's order. There's not 
chaos. There's love, there's not hate, there's justice, there's not injustice. And there's unity, not division. You know, God's will, we hear this word all the time. What is God's will? Well, it's God's wishes and His desires coming to fruition in our lives. And God uses the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of believers to do what this verse is saying. That we make earth look more like heaven through the way that we live, through the things that we do. And so this is the second thing that we need to understand. As followers of Jesus, our job is to witness to the world, living out God's kingdom from the heart. Now, you know, I'll be honest, during this time, it's been so tempting to just stay bunkered and hunkered down in my house with my family and just not worry about anything else. Turn off the TV, turn off the, just be blind to everything else that's happening. Does that, has anyone else felt like that? I hope so. Okay, I'm not weird. Um, I've just wanted to get away from all of it. I just wanted to not deal with it. But you know, as a follower of Jesus, we're called to so much more. We're called to to be the light of the world as we're going to see in a minute. And I've found that during this time, there's been a great opportunity to encourage people with the love of Jesus. So many people, maybe, maybe you're in this room this morning, have, have during this time been drawn to Jesus because what else are we going to do? <laughs> we don't have control over any of this. And as Christians, we're called to live as witnesses to the world. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 and 16. He said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Everyone would praise your heavenly Father. You know, can I just, I just want to say something this morning that, that I've noticed there's so many Christians, so many followers of Jesus that are acting not like followers of Jesus. There's so many people who, who are just taking their own agenda and shoving it down everyone else's throat, and they're trying to, to be the loudest voice that they can be and put everyone else down, and sadly, that this is affecting relationships in the church with Christians. You know, you get on social media. Do you know when you post something on social media that not just you see it? <laughs> I don't know if, I, I just wanted to say that. I mean, I mean that's kind of obvious, but, but so, sometimes I'm like, did this person not even think through what they were saying? Like, they would never say that in person. They would never say that to another person, but yet they're putting it in the most hateful, prideful, arrogant, rude way on social media. And it's like people can like people can see this, right? We can all see this. And then when when you go and, and you fight someone on that viewpoint, do you know that people can see that too? Right? People can see that, you know, like, just because no one's liking it or sharing it or doing anything like that, people are seeing what's going on. And I love what Paul says, because it's not just how we treat each other as followers of Jesus, which we should treat each other well, but it's even more so 
we're called to live as a witness. And this is what Paul says about living as a witness. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You know, when Christians are attacking each other and attacking other people, that's not being a good witness. People are saying, that's why I'm not going to church. It's because of that, because that's what happens at church. And we're all people, right? We're all imperfect. We make mistakes. But, but I love what Paul says. He says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. That word attractive means, means it's seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. You know, like a bland piece of meat or something, and then you put salt on it and it tastes so much better. What it's not saying is that grab handfuls of salt and throw it in the person's face so they can't see or breathe or anything, right? Too much salt is bad. But being attractive is seasoning it with salt, living wisely, being gracious to those who are not believers because people look at Christians and they can see the things that we're saying and the things that we're doing. And so let's be a good witness to people. Let's be loving to people. Jesus said it this way. He said, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I want you to notice in this verse, love your neighbor is in quotes, but hate your enemy isn't. I don't know if you noticed that, but, but this is what Jesus is saying. Love your neighbor is actually the law. That's God's law. The reason why that's in quotes is because that's what God is saying. Hate your enemy was added on by these religious elites by these people who, who were trying to, uh, trying to get people to live to an impossible standard. Love your neighbor was always God's way. It was never to hate your enemy. Never. That's not the law. That's not God's law. That may have been a law added by man. But this is what we need to understand. We should never hate anyone. And it's never God's intention for us to hate someone. And in fact, we should, when the Bible says, when we don't like someone, we should pray for them. We should pray for them. You know, how often, how, how much would things change if that was our response? When we didn't like someone, when we went and prayed for them. Instead of attacking them and berating them, we prayed for them. You know, because that's going to soften our heart. And then that's going to say, God, I can't control this person. This person has hurt me. They've done these things to me. I need you to do what only you can do. And let me say this. I'm not like preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself too. Because I'm, I'm just as much guilty of this as not loving my neighbor as anyone in here. But this is what God has called us to. He's called us to live as a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden from anyone. And let our good deeds shine out, not for our own good or glorification, but for God's glorification, for His good. So we've got to do a better job. Everyone in this room who's hearing me right now, we've got to do a better job of treating each other well. We just have to.
We have to. And then this is the last thing that we see. Living for God's kingdom frees us from anxiety and fear. You know, I asked you this question of what brings you anxiety, uh, what has brought you anxiety during this time. I've dealt with personally probably more anxiety and more stress than I ever have in my life during this season. And it's been, it's been really easy to, to get caught up in that and let it defeat you. Sorry, I didn't think I was going to do this. But it seems like, you know, everywhere we look, we see things that aren't going the way that we want them to go. And that causes fear. Maybe, maybe that's why we're treating each other the way we're treating each other. It's because we're afraid, right? We're afraid of what we can't control, what we can't what we can't come make happen. And so we've, we fear, we have this anxiety, we have this worry. And this affects us, it affects us spiritually. It affects us mentally, it affects us emotionally, it even affects us physically, right? This can be all-consuming, and if you've dealt with this, you know what I'm talking about. You know, but, but what, what is the fix here? What's the true fix? Because we can, you know, we can change our diet, we can exercise, we can do all these things, we can talk to counselors, you know, all of that stuff. But Jesus gives us the answer. He gives us the true answer of what we need to do. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, he says, don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And then perhaps one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. You know, I I feel like what Jesus is saying here is that it's not bad to have a holistic approach to fixing the worries and the anxieties in your life. That's, That's not a bad thing. But really, the most important thing is to seek first the kingdom of God. And then, and then live righteously, live to honor God, as we would say here at Alpine Church. And then He, God, will give you everything that you need. All the other things will align in your life. I truly believe that. It may not be going exactly the way that you would want it to go. Things may still happen that... that used to cause you stress or worry or anxiety, but you will have the capacity, the ability to be able to deal with those things when you seek first the kingdom of God. And so what does this mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, it means that, that we interact with the world like Jesus wants us to. We live with this confidence knowing that God is truly in control You know, we might have to remind ourselves of that over and over again because we're human and we're broken and we do worry. We do have anxiety. But the truth is, is that when we do this, when we bring our concerns to God, He will give us freedom from this, from this anxiety, as Jesus said, that dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. And and I also want to say this. It's not a sin to experience fear and anxiety. 
And I know that because Jesus experienced fear and anxiety. And he never sinned. You know, right before Jesus went to the cross, he's in the garden, he's praying. And he's crying out to God, God, if there's any way other than me having to go to the cross, please take this, take the, do it that way. Don't make me do this. I don't want to do this. I mean, it's one of the most uh, heart-wrenching things in all of Scripture that we read. Jesus crying out. It shows, it shows the realness of, of his humanity. But then he says, but God, your will, not mine. Your way, not mine. Jesus was fully committed to the kingdom. He, he truly, he was one who, who sought the kingdom of God above all else. Because he knew that that's the way that we would gain salvation. Because we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't do it on our own. And every time in Scripture where he felt anxious, where he worried, he went to God in prayer. Jesus, Jesus modeled, I mean, let's just live like Jesus, right? Let, just read the gospel and do everything Jesus did and then we'll be good, right, in this world. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. But every time Jesus dealt with these things, he would go away, he would pray, he would seek God. And I pray that that's our first response. That's seeking first the kingdom of God. Not to try to fix it ourselves. Because if you've tried to fix it yourself, you know that doesn't work anyway. So just save yourself a bunch of time, right? And go to God first. Because he, he truly is the one who has the power to save us. And when we do this, when we commit ourselves to God's kingdom, we can begin to see the bright side of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. The price he paid for our sins that we were unable to do ourselves. You know, you read the Old Testament and you're like, why did they do all of these things? Why did they have all these rituals and the temple and all these rules and everything? It's because we had to go to extreme lengths to purify ourselves, to stand before a holy God. And that was just perpetually going to go on forever that could never be the true sacrifice. And so that's why Jesus came. He came to meet us where we were, to do the work that we weren't able to do ourselves. And regardless of what's going on in the world, in our personal lives, again, not to minimize trials, but we do have the bright side of Christ, a relationship with Him that, that is available to anyone. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or, or even what you're going to do. And so that's the positive that we can have in a negative world. Let's, let's pray together this morning. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the amount of love and patience you have for us, Lord. We, we make so many mistakes. God, we could never live up to the standard that Jesus lived to, God, and that's why he came to save us. God, because that was the only way. Lord, and so we just thank you that, that that is a truth that is available to the world, God, to anyone who would put their trust and their faith in the finished work of the cross. Lord, and I know that 
there's so many things going on in our world, in our personal lives, in our families. God, that we just, that cause us anxiety, that cause us fear. God, but I pray that God, just as maybe, uh, God, uh, the check engine light on a car comes on to warn us of something. That's not the problem, God. But anytime we feel that anxiety, anytime we, we feel that fear, God, that our response would be to go to you, God, to, to ask you, Lord, how, how, how can I fix this? I need your help with this. I can't do it on my own. God, and your word promises us that if we do that, God, you will give us a peace that surpasses our understanding. God, so be with every person here, again, with what they're going through, Lord, that they would cling to you. God, maybe there's some people in here who, who don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. I pray that right now that you would speak to them. God, that you would show them their need for you. God, our circumstances might change, Lord, but our perspectives will change. God, and so we just, uh, again, we worship you. God, we're here because of you. Lord, and we pray that as we sing this last song, Lord, that you would be with us, Lord, and even beyond that, as we go from here, that you would bless us and that you would walk with us each and every step of the way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.